the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we come to the end of a broadcast week here on Abounding Grace, we return to Luke chapter 6 and take a look at the foundation of the Church of Jesus Christ. Join us. The ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Hello, welcome to our broadcast. Our time together today will take us to Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. We're looking at the foundation of the Church of Jesus Christ, understanding the shoulders we stand on, why, and what the outcome should be, and the encouragement that we find there as well. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast now of Abounding Grace. So when did the Lord Jesus Christ begin to reign? He began to reign when God raised him from the dead and he ascended to God's right hand. Beloved, he's been reigning now for 2,000 years. He has the entire world under his control. So if the regeneration began with Christ, uh, when Christ took his throne at God's right hand, when did the regeneration of the world take place? The same time, 2,000 years ago when Christ rose from the dead. Now notice what he says is going to happen back in Matthew 19 when he takes his throne and he starts to make the world over again. He says to his apostles in verse 21, verse 28, I'm sorry, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He says, when I ascend to my father, and I take my seat as the king of the universe, it is going to be the regeneration of the world. And one of the great signs of the regeneration of the world is that you 12 apostles are going to sit upon 12 thrones, and you are going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, that can be said, of course, in a unique sense about the apostles. But it can also be said in a secondary sense about the whole church represented by the apostles as the foundation. In what sense do the apostles sit on thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel? The 12 tribes of Israel, that phrase, is a conventional expression in New Testament times for the members of of the kingdom of God. It is not to be taken with crass literalism. It is a conventional expression for the members of the kingdom of God. You and I. Now, who are the members of the kingdom of God? The disciples of Christ, you and I. Hence the phrase, the tribes of Israel, as it is used here, refers to the citizens of the kingdom of God, which are identified by the Lord Jesus Christ as none other than his disciples, those who believe in him through the word of his apostles. 
And so it says, these 12 apostles are going to sit on thrones and are going to share with Christ in the rule and judging of the kingdom of God, of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what do you think that really means? Does that mean the 12 apostles are going to have 12 literal thrones? No, because remember, as we talked about last week, the emphasis in the New Testament is not on the persons of these apostles. It is on the writings of these apostles. It is on apostolic doctrine. So when the Lord Jesus Christ uses great Old Testament imagery by saying, when my reign over all things began at my ascension, And I began to make all things new, the governing, judging, regulating authority for the church and the world was none other than apostolic doctrine. The whole course of events of the world, beloved, will be determined by the word of God. What happens to nations from here on out will be determined by what has been written by the apostles and the prophets. The apostles and prophets in their writings will be the ruling factor and the judgment of the church so that the church and the world will constantly be under apostolic judgment. You know, we have really been fairly mistaken We have for proper reasons said that we are a church that stands on the word of God. We say that we stand upon the word of God. And the point that we are really trying to make is that we do not stand upon any other foundation. But there is another way of saying it that is really more accurate. And that is to say a faithful church is a church that stands under the word of God. And that word is always judging And it is always sifting and it's always examining and always trying. So a Christian is someone who is always allowing the light of that word of God to try him and to sift him and to convict him and to worry him, to make him feel guilty. He doesn't try to escape guilt, the Christian. He doesn't shut his eyes to self-examination. He is someone who is constantly opening himself to the word of God. Lord, judge me. Lord, cleanse me by your word. Shine a bright light into my life. Oh, 12 apostles sitting on the thrones around the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. Judge me. I'm a member of the 12 tribes of Israel. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God and a disciple of Christ. I am a member of the true and only Israel, O God. Oh, 12 apostles of God, judge me and rule me and govern my life by apostolic doctrine, the foundation of the church. This is a powerful and figurative way of saying that we place our lives under the authority of the apostles and we allow that word and no other word to judge us. If anyone judges and condemns you for anything that is not Found in the word of God, think nothing of it. If anyone criticizes you for anything 
And the standard by which they criticize you is not the word of God. Their criticism should be totally irrelevant to you. You stand under no one else's word. But the word of the apostles. The words right from the mind of God himself. Now there's a sense in which these 12 apostles are representatives of us. So when Jesus said to his apostles, when I ascend to God's right hand, and I begin my reign in the renovation of the whole universe, and you men sit on 12 thrones judging the covenant community of God, he was speaking to the apostles as our representatives. And he was saying in effect, when I take my seat, church, you shall reign with me. You shall assist me in the governing and the judging of the world. Now, beloved, at least you think that is not really going too far. Let me review a couple of verses. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together with him, and made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when the Bible says that Christ has been raised to God's right hand, we have been seated upon his lap. What is your position right now as far as God is concerned? Christ sits on the throne at the right hand of God, governing all things. And we sit as Christians, right on his lap. You and I, as members of the church, based upon the foundation of the apostles, with Christ as the chief cornerstone, share in the rule and the reign and the government of the church and the world. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6. Here's where it just really flat out says it. Now, beloved, I'm trying to press you with how lofty and great the church really is. As well as you, as true Christians. 1 Corinthians 6.1. Paul here is giving advice when to go to court and when not to. He says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? So you see, Paul says that not only will the church, based upon the foundation of the prophets and apostles, share in the judging and the ruling of the twelve tribes of Israel, that is the covenant community of God, the true Israel, the church of God, but moreover the saints, Christians, will participate in the rule and the judgment of the world. That is you, beloved. I want you to understand how important you are to God's plan of things and how holy He has made you. Now, what in the world does it mean to say that you and I as Christians, members of the church, who believe in apostolic doctrine, are sitting on thrones... And we not only judge the church, but the Bible says we have the authority to judge and rule the world. Now, what does that mean? Does that that mean that you can go home today and feel cocky about yourselves? Does that mean that you should go around with a better-than-thou attitude? 
Well, many Christians do, but no. Because you see, it is not your person that is important. It is the standard by which you judge that is important, the apostolic doctrine. Turn to Matthew 16. I'm going to read beginning in verse 18. And I say also unto you, says Christ, that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you unto ye the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shalt ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, turn to John 20. And from these two passages, we're going, uh, they're going to help us understand what it means to say that the apostles under Christ through apostolic doctrine, rule the world. And you, represented in them, rule and judge the whole world right along with them. John twenty twenty two. And when he breathed on them and saith unto them, the apostles, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. I want you to notice in Matthew 16 and John 20, the two powers that have been given to the apostles. Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to build a great church upon this rock. What was he talking about? Well, the argument has tried to be made that Peter, because his name means rock, that when Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, he was saying Peter is going to be the first pope of the church. What is the real emphasis here? The person of the apostle is nothing. Their writings are everything. Now what happens right before Jesus said, Peter upon this rock I build my church. What did Peter do? Well, he made a confession of faith. He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of Of the living God. And immediately upon the heels of this spirit inspired confession of faith by the holy apostle Peter, the Lord Jesus Christ says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this foundation of your confession of faith, of your testimony of the Holy Spirit concerning my deity. Upon the rock of apostolic doctrine, I will build the church upon which the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that as the church makes its onslaughts, onslaughts against hell, to destroy evil in the world. Not even those gates of hell will be able to withstand. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Have you ever been given the keys of a city? It's usually a great privilege to be given a a, a key to a city. The key to a city has actually become... A more or simply a symbolic thing today. But historically, a key was a symbol of authority. The keys of David mentioned in the book of Isaiah that we actually sang in one of the hymns today. 
were a symbol of the authority to open and shut even heaven itself. In Scripture, keys are a symbol of authority. And Christ here says that he gives to the apostles and the church represented by those apostles the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, what do you do with these keys? Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then in John 20 it says, If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins have been forgiven. And if you retain anyone's sins, they shall be retained. Now, you have to be careful with what you do with this. This can certainly lead to dangerous doctrines if you don't know what to do with it. Or if you let your pride determine what you are going to do with it. Does it mean... That you can go out here and just on your own subjective decision say, I forgive you and I forgive you and I forgive you. And that means, of course, you're saved. But I, I don't forgive you and I don't forgive you and I don't forgive you. And that means you're not. Now, what are I open no man shuts, shuts no man opens, loose and close? Those are legal words taken out of the language of the courtroom of the first century. To open it and nobody close, to close and nobody open, permit and nobody forbid, were words that meant to declare something legal or to declare something illegal. The church now has the authority with the keys of the kingdom to declare something lawful and something unlawful. You and I can say to a people when they come and ask about moral decisions, is this right or wrong? You and I can either say, yes, that is right, or no, that is not right according to apostolic doctrine. This is pleasing to God or that is not pleasing to God. This is moral, that is immoral. This is something you should do, that is something you should not do. Moreover, we have the authority with the keys of the kingdom to declare. Now, listen, because I do not want you to misunderstand me. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are not forgiven. If you die as you are now, my beloved brother, you'll go to heaven and be with God forever. If you die as you are now, Mr. Pagan, you'll go to hell. And you'll burn forever. Now, beloved, that's awesome authority. And how in the world can the church and individual Christians have that kind of authority? So that no matter what happens in the world and no matter where in the world you may be, we judge that world. No matter where we are in the world, we can render that kind of a judgment. Whether in America or in China, or in Brazil, we can say, this is right, and that is wrong. Wherever in the world we can say, wherever in the world we may be, we can say, you are forgiven. You are not forgiven. How in the world can we do this? Well, what are the keys of the kingdom? Apostolic doctrine. 
It is the 12 apostles that ultimately sit on the 12 thrones. And it is the writing of the word of God that is our standard. We don't make these decisions based on our own preferences or our own wants or our own likes or dislikes or our own subjectivity. We don't put a person or his ideals up on a high pedestal. We are nothing but instruments in the hands of God. The word of God is everything. We're just wooden pulpits that the holy word sits upon. We are the mouthpieces that speak his word. That's all we are. But when we faithfully believe this word and we understand it, and faithfully bear testimony to it, and are faithfully living it out in our lives, then this, world be, this word becomes the standard by which we judge our own lives, our, our families, our church, and yes, the world. And we can go all over this world and say, Thus says the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is what the Lord says is right, and here is what the Lord says is wrong, no matter where you live in this world. Your sins are forgiven if you repent and believe in Jesus. And I tell you, if by God's grace you repent of your sins and you believe in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. But I also tell you, my dear friend, if you do not repent of your sins and you play the part of a hypocrite and you are in rebellion against Jesus, I say to you, with the authority of God, you are not forgiven. That is power, beloved. And that is God-given authority. And God has not just given this authority to a preacher like me. God has given this authority to the church built upon the foundation of the apostles with Christ being the chief cornerstone, which is seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have been given the authority to rule and govern and judge the world. Beloved, the United States does not rule, is not ruled by the government in Washington, D.C. I've been told by friends that if you were to go to visit Washington, D.C., you can just sense the illusion of power. When I was deeply involved in politics a number of years ago, I literally saw people trying to buy others off. Have here. Have a little power. And we have all read about people being bought with that illusion of power. Well, Congressman Larry McDonald once told me that when seemingly good men get newly seated in Congress, many get what he called Potomac fever, a lust for power and prestige. One of the greatest pro-lifers that ever lived many years ago made a movie with Francis Schaeffer titled How Shall We Then Live? At one time he was an outstanding bold anti-abortionist and his name was C. Everett Koop who was appointed Surgeon General of the United States and he was seduced by this illusionary power and so much so that I heard him once say I apologize. I apologize for my pro-life 
activities. But, beloved, there's no real power in Washington. It's not the federal government that governs and regulates and rules this land. It is the twelve apostles sitting on the thrones around the king of kings with us sitting on his lap. We govern the future of America. We govern the future of America as we believe and live and teach and apply the word of God to our lives. Now, beloved, go and speak with apostolic authority. Rule and reign with apostolic doctrine. God is waiting. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner.